Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, we're heading to Lamentations. It's a very vital book. It's an important book, and we're not going to talk about everything today, um, but we're going to be diving into it and seeing it. But before we do, you know, as I was thinking about the book of Lamentations and going through the process, uh, this morning I was thinking about one of my favorite things to do is to go backpacking or hiking or kayaking. For me, being on the trail, being on the waters is, is restorative. How many of you experience the same thing, right? You just, yeah, I just, I got to go for a walk. I got to go backpack. I got to, you know, I, I've got to be in a kayak and even flipping upside down is refreshing, whatever it is. Because there's, there's something about unplugging. And, you know, I've, it's always been that way. And even for me, you know, uh, Stephanie's out with us today. She's the director of Northwest Women Pastors and she's leading a retreat up in Sumas coincidentally, right next to the Canadian border, so they're experiencing God up there. But as they, as, so she's not here today, but she will even say, when she sees that I'm stressed, when she sees that, I'm, that I need something, she's like, you need to go for a run right now. You need to go for a walk. You need to get your kayak. You need to get somewhere because I can see that stress because she notices when I come back from that, it's like detox, right? It's like I feel a lot better walking through it. And it's always been that way, but something that stood out to me was on my prayer retreat this past year, when I got away, I saw this with a couple of the authors that I was reading. And one author described the act of backpacking, the act of hiking, as an unpacking of the mind. That when you walk on the trail, when you get out there, when, when you're because the places I go, no cell phone works, right? And, and as much as I'm addicted to it, I love getting away from it. Because we need those times when we can just unpack our mind. Our minds are almost like filters, right? There's, the stuff of this world just kind of goes in. And you've got to get that filter out from time to time and just cleanse it and just shake it. Because as you know, if you've ever used a vacuum, if the filter is bad, the vacuum doesn't work, and it actually breaks down after a while. Lamentations, it made me think of this, to work because it really resonated, that unpacking of the mind, because the battle that we face is not a physical one. And the Bible's very clear on this. We face a spiritual battle, and most of the battles that we face, it's an internal one. It's, there's a conversation going on in our heads that no one knows but you and the Lord, and we need to process that, and it's, it's an unburdening of the soul and what we see in Lamentations is that whatever we're going through, we need to unpack our heart, unpack our mind with God. God is the one that does that. And it's not complaining because I've heard, I've heard some people say in the past, well, well Dwayne, you know, I, I read through Lamentations and I see this. Isn't this complaining? And, you know, didn't Paul say to the, the, to the church of Philippi to do everything with the complaining and arguing? And, yes, there is complaining and arguing that we shouldn't do. But what we're talking about here is we're, it's an invitation to unpack because we know that the number one thing that makes a backpacking trip not enjoyable for, for people is when their backpack is too heavy, right? If, if you're going, even going to school, right? If your backpack is too heavy, it's not fun because all you can think about is the weight. But when you're lighting the backpack, when you get the ultralight stuff, you're like, man, this is fun. This is enjoyable. There's a view here now. That's the invitation for Lamentations today, is that you would receive an invitation from the Lord to unburden yourself, to empty your backpack. Look what Jesus said, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who've emptied their spirits, for they shall be filled. 
And Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So the invitation for all of us today is to unpack, to lighten our load so that we can experience the fullness of life. Are you ready for that as we head into summer, right? So Jesus, we, we thank you today, Lord, for that word of truth that you gave us, that when we're yoked with you, when we're with you, your yoke is easy, your burden is light, but Lord, we know this life, it tries to put so much stuff in our pack to weigh us down. So Lord, I pray as we walk through this today, Lamentations, Lord, that we would receive your invitation to, to just lay it all out with you in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. So let's start off. If you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Lamentations chapter 1. We're going to kind of be popping in a few times throughout this, just, just five chapters, but it's filled with so much. But I wanted to start off just by reading just the first part of Lamentations chapter 1. And listen to this. Lamentations chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow she is, who once was great among the nations. She who was a queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate, her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. All the splendor has departed from daughter Zion. Her princes are like deer that find no pasture. In weakness they have fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Have you ever heard that song sung here? (laughs) This is heavy stuff. But as we dive into this today, I want to give you just a little bit of background on this because as we look at this, Lamentations is recognized as a literary masterpiece. And it's it's this lament that expresses a nation's sorrow over the Babylonian invasion and, and the destruction of Jerusalem that, as was confessed here, was a result of Israel's rebellion and the rejection of God. See, Lamentations, it's, it's an eyewitness account of the Babylonian invasion that, that occurred around 587 B.C., and there were actually several episodes of this. And as we look at this today, I think it's also worth mentioning that when we look at Lamentations, we're looking at one of the most violent, brutal, graphic sections of the Bible. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> But here's the thing, because you may say, Dwayne, why are we looking at it? Why can't we just go to the Psalms and talk about how great are you, God? And he is great. But we know from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy says that all Scripture is what? God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's all of us, may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. See, this is in the Bible intentionally because we need it, because God is all wise, he's all powerful, he doesn't make mistakes, everything is intentional, we need this today. This is an essential part of our walk with God. And so as we walk through today and we look at the lament, I think lament is especially important because as we lament biblically, the lament, it reveals who we are, it reveals who God is, and it also provides the way of getting back on track because God doesn't just show you stuff and say, good luck. He walks with us. He gets us back on track. So today we're going to just very quickly look at three things as it relates to lamentations. First of all, we're going to look at the lament as we consider what was lost, it's important to recognize that when we, when we look at the book of Lamentations, what are they grieving over? What was lost as it relates to the nation of Israel? And then we're going to look at the process because Lamentations, it's about processing our grief. It's about processing everything in the presence of God with God. And then we're going to end on recovery because God doesn't leave us there. He wants us to get back on track with him. The purpose of everything that God does is about reconciliation coming back to the Lord. Aren't you so glad that no matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how far off track, we are just one step back with God. That's our Heavenly Father. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. All right, so let's start off, off with lament. Lament, what was last? What was lost? So as we look at what was understanding, what, the nation of Israel, which is what we're talking about today, the nation of Israel was created by God for his purpose to be a people of God in order to show the world who God was. This is a people he called together to reveal who God is. In Isaiah 49, uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. See, this is the purpose of, of, of the nation of Israel, to reveal who God is to everybody. And Jerusalem, this was the capital. This was the center of Jewish life. I mean, this, is, this, this was the city of kings, right? The King Solomon and King David, when we walk through, this is where the temple was built that represented the very presence of God, the very center of Jewish life, worshiping God there. And it also represented the fulfillment of God's promise that he made that he would make them a great nation. But again, this is all about revealing who God is to the world. And it's very important, I think, for all of us that we don't lose sight of God's purpose. There's a purpose in everything. But as we talk about the power of God, the power of God is linked to the purpose of God. Right? The power of God is always connected to the purpose of God in our lives. If we're walking through and saying, Lord, you know, I, you know I, I don't feel like I'm walking in the power. I don't feel like I'm walking in the ways that you have. We need to look at our lives and go, am I walking in God's purpose? Am I aligned with what he has me to do? Not that there won't be hardships, not that there won't be great difficulty, but if I want to walk in what God has, I need to make sure that my life is aligned and walking in who he has. And as it relates to the nation of Israel, they were known as a powerful nation, not because of their numbers, though they grew, not because of their military prowess, though all these things grew, but they were known to be empowered and covered and to be favored by God. And as a result of this, the people that were surrendered, that were sitting under God's mighty hand, they were used by God. See, their position with God positioned them for life. When the nations feared them, they had these stories of the great things that would happen. I mean, when you look at Israel's history, you know, you, you know about, and pe they knew they knew about how 
how the nation of Israel defeated the Pharaoh in Egypt. They knew about the crossing of the Red Sea and about how the, the sea opened up, and then when the Pharaoh went through, it, it, it came in and destroyed them all. They knew about the marching around Jericho. They knew about David and Goliath, right? Just little Goliath with a slingshot. Watch out for him. Watch out for any kid with a slingshot, I would say. See, the surrounding nations, they knew their strength was found not in themselves. It was found in God. So what happened to this great nation? Well, those of you who've read, you know that Israel succumbed to one of the greatest dangers in life. And one of the greatest dangers in life is the danger of success. See, when we're going through tough times, when we're going through difficult times, we're like, oh God, I need you, I need you. But as we start walking in a little bit of goodness here, we forget that God was the one who gave it, and we start thinking, man, I'm pretty good. I know what it is. I did all this stuff. We start giving credit to ourselves. We start thinking of ourselves more than God. And see, thinking less of God than he deserves This is the first step towards idolatry. You know, one of my favorite authors, if you've been around me very much, you know, I love coffee, dogs, kayaking, and A.W. Tozer. (laughs) I love A.W. Tozer. And he's written this little book that is powerful. And in in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, that I reread it every year, and I'm I'm reading it now. He says it so well. He says, the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. Think about that. See, idolatry begins by just entertaining thoughts. That's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us to think thoughts about God that are not worthy of him, that are wrong, that are not who he is. Tozer goes on to say, it begins in the mind and may be present where no overt act of worship has taken place. He's saying that it happens in the mind and there's idolatry happening, but you can look around and you may not even recognize it. This is how it begins. And left unchecked, the natural progression of this is down, down, down. See, left to our own devices, left to our flesh, the flesh will ultimately kill us. This results in a life that is increasingly unaware of when it is out of alignment with God. I mean, it's like, it's like a car. I mean, I think about walking with God about being in alignment. When a car is running smooth, it's one that's in alignment. When it gets out of alignment, it shakes a lot, and you get in there, and it's like, dear me, but have you ever gotten in a car with somebody, and it was just out of alignment, it was shaking, and the person was totally clueless. They had no idea, right? It's like I am with my dog, right? People come in and say, man, when was the last time Stanley has a bath? He smells bad. I'm like, he smells great to me. <laughs> I promised Stephanie I'd give him a bath before she got home. We can become unaware of things that we just kind of take. We go, oh, this is normal. But as it relates to alignment, if your dog stinks, he's cute. If your life's out of alignment, you're heading towards destruction. So for the nation of Israel, as a result of the rebellion and rejection, they were now vulnerable, and in comes King Nebuchadnezzar. And this invasion is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 24. It says, The king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year. That was the king of Judah, Jehoiakim. In the eighth year of his reign and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut into pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord. These are things that, that God had ordained and instructed them to build. The king came in. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed them all, cut them up which King Solomon, king of Israel, had made, as the Lord had foretold. 
He carried away all Jerusalem and all the officials and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and all the smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land. See, King Nebuchadnezzar, he came in. They'd allowed success to cause them to think it's all about me and to ignore God and rebel God. And as a result, they came in. Everything was gone. The temples destroyed. They killed many of the citizens. They took the best and the brightest to now be servants of Babylon. And this is devastating is not a big enough word. You read through Lamentations, you see this. You see them talking about it. You see them saying it in so many ways, and you begin reading it, and you're like, my goodness, I can barely get through this. It's so difficult. So how do you recover from something like this? I mean, you're human. You've experienced pain. You've had some difficult things, and I know some of you are walking through incredibly difficult things as a faithful, devoted follower of Jesus. How do we recover from stuff like this? Because many don't. Many, when they experience things like this, the pain and the loss in their lives, the enemy will take and twist, and they'll start to hear a small voice going, is God real? You know, if he really loved you, he wouldn't let you go through pain. He wouldn't let you experience this. He wouldn't. And it's all those thoughts that we start entertaining because it's too painful to deal with. But here's the truth, and here's the power of lamentations, that even in the midst of our pain, even when we rebel, even when we entertain those thoughts of idolatry, we are just one step away from God. That's what lamentations is. It's just unearthing, this going, God, I'm going through stuff, and everything's happening, but I'm going to bring it to you. Because see, in the midst of our pain, God doesn't leave us alone. In the midst of a rebellion, he's like that prodigal dad that's just waiting for the son to return. I love how Paul says in Romans, Paul identifies that while we were still sinners, which means we're out of alignment, we're rejecting God, we're ignoring God, that's when Jesus died for us. That's when Jesus gave his life for us. He didn't say, Once you get good, once you start believing in me, once you start walking this way, then I'll do this. He's like, no, while you're still sinners, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to provide a way for you to step back. And this is the lament. Lament is simply processing with God, which is a big reality check. When we lament, we are unpacking, we are unburdening everything with God. Because see, in order to deal with things, you need to have an honest look at it. That's why we have MRIs and why we have x-rays. That's why we have doctors, right? We don't call the doctor on the phone and say, give me the diagnosis and then I'll come in. No, the doctor says, why don't you come in? Why don't we look at what's happening? And then, once we diagnose, then we'll bring the cure for it. Isn't that how a doctor works? You ever try to call a doctor and go, I just know I need this medicine, <laughs> right? I need, I need some painkillers. Give me some painkillers. You did it last time for me. Coincidentally, uh, Pastor Michael and Stephen, their dad was my doctor back in D.C. And even he said, Dwayne, you need to come in. Let's look what's going on. This is the lament. We need to deal with things. We need this reality check. See, one of the things that tragedy can do in our lives is it can make us become disconnected from reality. And when we get disconnected from reality, we get disconnected from God. Because he is truth. And the truth does what? It sets us free. 
So we got to have this reality check. We need to look in. We need, we need to, to see. And that's why the lament is so, so important. Because when we go through these hardships, typically two things happen. That, and you can see this when you talk to somebody that you know they're going through difficulty. And you say, how's it going? And they say, I'm doing great. And you know what's going on. I saw it on Facebook. You're not doing great. You're blowing up. Things are happening. When they say it's going great, either they're totally disconnected from reality and they're in total denial, or they're like, I don't want to talk to you about it. How many of you have been in those places, <laughs> right? It's so tough, I don't want to talk about it. And what the lament process is, is, is with God, it's, it's putting everything on the table, it's putting all those painful things out with the only one who sees everything, knows everything, and knows you, and can bring some hope to the situation, but we need to get it out. That's why God always asks that question, where are you? He said to Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. God knows where you are, but for you to take those steps of healing, for you to take the steps of reconciliation, you need to know where you are. You need to know where you are. And this is what lament is. It opens up. It takes everything out. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 52, the psalmist wrote, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will what? Sustain you. And then in Philippians, it says, do not be anxious about anything. How many read that a lot during COVID, right? Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by what? Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Look at that. Prayer, petition, God, I need, I need this. With thanksgiving, God, thank you for what you're doing. Present your request to God. And then there's the promise. The promise is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It will guard your heart and it'll guard your mind. This is where the battle's taking place. See, the path of peace, it begins with bringing everything, everything to God. It's this unpacking of a life, the unpacking of your mind and your soul. It's that filter we talked about before. It's getting that clogged filter that is so full of stuff and just shaking it out, washing it out, and allowing the Lord to make all things new. See, Lamentations chapter 1, the beginning of it, said, I'm deserted. I'm like a widow. I used to be great. I used to be a princess. I used to be a queen among the provinces. And it says, now I weep at night. And now it even says, all my lovers have left me and there's no one to comfort me. It's getting it all out. And if you don't think this is useful, if you were here two weeks ago for the Psalms series, we talked about how the Psalms... The hymn book of the nation of Israel, what they sang. Over a third of the Psalms are lament. And God put it in the Bible. We need this. We need to unpack. Because see, when we don't unpack our lives and when we just keep stuffing stuff down and we just keep putting it again and we say it's going to be okay, do you know what happens to us? They create a reality TV show about you and they call it Hoarders. Have anybody seen those early shows of Hoarders? You see this? If there's no lament in your life, and it gets worse than this. I've seen those hoarder shows where they're like, what's the smell? Oh, I don't smell anything. And they start finding, right? They start finding food from a restaurant that shut down 10 years ago. This is what happens when we don't get it out with God. And if you've seen this, as they brought in experts, they brought in family, they're like, they need to let go of this because it's making them sick, it's destroying their life, they don't want to go outside the house, we can't even walk in. Have you seen them to, to try to walk through that, that process? One of the first things that they do is they're like, we got to get everything out. 
we got to get everything out. Even organizers. Maybe you're not a hoarder, but maybe you're like, you know what, I need to reorganize it. When you bring in a professional organizer or someone that's really good at it, one of the first things they do is what? Let's, let's, let's just take everything out. Let's get it all out. Let's get it all out of the house. And every hoarder just dies a little bit in that moment, <laughs> right? It's my precious. It's, that's, that's, my, that's the best schmeagle I can do in this moment, okay? It only gets worse. They don't want to let go. But here's what happens. Even in the most beautiful homes, if you've ever gone through the process of trying to sell your home, you'll often bring in a stager, or your real estate agent will bring in a stager, and the thing that they'll do is what? They'll take out all this personal stuff, everything, and they'll make it simple. And at first you're like, no, no, the people coming in, they're going to love my gnomes all over the driveway. They're going to love this stuff. And the real's like, no, you've got to get it all out. And then they do it, and you walk in, you're like, this looks nice. <laughs> Why am I not living this way? See, this is the process of lament. It's, it's the emptying, it's the, it's the poor in spirit, it's, it's the decluttering our lives so that we can be filled. Because as we do that, the Lord will always bring us to the source of the pain and put a finger on it. And this happens by verse 8. Lamentations 1, verse 8. It says, Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who wanted her despise her, for they have all seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. And then verse 18, it says, The Lord is righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. And see, this is so important because the first step to reconciliation is confession. It's a regular part of every believer's life. When I walk into the presence of well, the Lord, the, the presence of the Lord is everywhere, but when I say I walk into the presence of the Lord, I'm talking about that focus, that awareness of just, that's why I close my eyes. God, I just want to hear you. I just want to see you. My prayer often begins with confession because I walk in the presence of the Lord and God's like, all right, let's take care of this, Dwayne. You know? And sometimes I... Early in the morning, I'll go in and I'll nudge Stephanie. Honey, I'm sorry for what I said. <laughs> Why? He wants to make us right. We need to confess and to get it out. Because once we confess, then this brings us to our, the next step of lament, which is the recovery. So we lament, we unpack it, we get it out, we diagnose it, we confess, and now we get back on track with God. See, this is why biblical lament is different than whining, right? Lamenting is not whining. Whining, how many of you have ever heard whining before, maybe, right? See, when you whine, you're just, your ears are closed, and you're like, I'm right, everyone else is wrong. It's only, and it's just, you've even got a little bit of whine in your voice, and you kind of walk it through, and who wants to hang out with a whiner? You can't reason with a whiner. Have you ever tried to reason with a whiner? Now, this is not your opportunity to go, you do that, right? It begins here. How many have been guilty of whining? I mean, God, everyone's wrong. I'm the only one, right? Elijah did this. I'm the only one serving the Lord. And God came and said, no, there's a lot more. <laughs> but we come in, and we move from whining 
to lament. Wanting means I hold on my emotions. Wanting means I'm holding on to that hatred. I'm holding on to that because they deserve it. Lament is that God, I'm just, I'm letting go. I'm, I'm unpacking this. I'm getting this all out. Because see, when we bear our soul to God, when we get raw, when we get unedited and we lay it before the Lord, Isaiah 61 says, to those who mourn, he said, I will give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. One version says they might be called the mighty oaks. If they were here, it'd be the mighty cedars. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Because see, just like we talked about in the Psalms, what the Lord does is when we bring everything, when we lay all of our emotions, and we're not just holding on to them, but we're laying it out where God hears everything. I'm, I'm mad, I'm just, I'm all this stuff, everything's happening. And we give it to the Lord. Just like we said in the Psalms, when the Psalms, we talked about how when the Psalms are sung in faith, Jesus comes in and the Holy Spirit comes in and it shapes our emotions. See, if we don't, if we just have emotions and they're just out there, emotions come from the flesh and the flesh leads to death because the flesh just wants to feed itself. The flesh doesn't care about your soul. The flesh doesn't care about anything else except itself. And the flesh has an expiration date. What lament does, it unpacks it and the Lord comes in and shapes us at the very soul level that then affects how we come out. See, emotions are important. Nor in the Bible does it say just stuff your emotions. See, emotions are like a thermometer, right? When you see somebody having an emotional moment, that's like a thermometer going fwing, right? It's just, it's, it's just blowing the top of it off. And it's important to recognize that. But then you've got to deal with it. You can have your temper tantrum with the Lord. But you have to surrender it. Because if you live there, I think you know what happens. You may be thinking about somebody right now <laughs> that's even there. You've got to surrender to the Lord. That's why Paul said in Romans 8, he said, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. Then what? You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of the Most High God. See, have your emotions. I, you know, fear. I've had fear in my life. Pride. I've had pride in my life. I've had all these, all these emotions in my life. The quicker I lay them to the Lord, not just the happier I am, but the better off everyone else is. Because God comes in and he reveals to me why I'm having that, what's at the course of it. And then he's, he shapes it and he brings healing and it comes in. And here's what I've found, that the quicker I go, the quicker my recovery gets now every time. How many of you have things that trigger you, right? See, after COVID, we're all good counselors now. We got, we got these counseling terms, right? And there are things that can trigger that were in the beginning. If I got triggered by something that happened before, I bring it to the Lord. I'm talking it, I'm walking it out. And it used to take me this long to recover. I got triggered by something this week, a deep, painful moment. My recovery was here. Still had a moment. Because <laughs> the Lord is shaping it. He's refining it. He's pulling it in. 
That's why, and this is the last thing, is as we end this today. One of the biggest powers of lament is that lament, it opens the door to hope. Did you know that as it relates to the book of Lamentations, these lament, it was recognized as such an important part of realigning your life to God that the Jewish synagogue appointed that the book should be read on the anniversary of the destruction of the temple. It was that important that we need to sing this, we need to bring it in because this needs to be shaped. See, we're going to experience tough times, but left unchecked, these tough times can close the door to hope. But biblical lament, it gets us back on track, and it helps us realize that, yes, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of the Lord. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. I mean, in the middle of this, in this Babylonian exile and everything's happening, this is where we see some of the greatest heroes of the faith. How many have heard of Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel came out of the Babylonian exile, one of the smart ones that they took and that they groomed to serve. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Three Hebrew young men that came out of that exile. What did they do? They were committed to prayer. King Nebuchadnezzar, do whatever you want. My life is committed to God. I surrender to the Lord. I am not going to bow to your idol. I am not going to stop praying and seeking him. And with Daniel, they threw him in the lion's den. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they threw him in the fiery furnace. And here was the response in the middle of it. Been through so much, lost so much. They're in this godless place. Man, I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. This is in Daniel 3. Daniel chapter 3, it says, Now when you hear the sound of the horn, they're giving the instruction, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing service. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Here's a reply people who have come out of exile. They've lost everything. They're serving there. And now they're being threatened with horrific death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. There's a lesson. If you are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, he's able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Glory to God. But here's what they said after this. They said, even if he does not, we want you to know. And they said, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They're saying, God can do whatever he wants. He can, he, he can, he can save us from all this. But even if he does it, I am not bowing to your idol. I am going to serve God. Let's imagine that. God, if you give it, if you take it away, whatever, I'm still serving you. These are people that they've processed with God. <laughs> they've walked with God. They've surrendered to the Lord everything in their life that no matter what happens, all this stuff, 
Life is just a vapor. God is my God. He's sovereign. He's in control. He sees everything. He knows what's best for me. So whatever I'm going through, God, when I'm, well, my emotions, I'm going to lay them before you. I'm going to lay them all out. But you are in control. You are in charge. And if I go down, I'm going to go down praising you. If I get thrown in that furnace, you can rescue me. And he did. But even if you don't, even if you don't heal me, even if you don't come through in the way that I asked you to, I am not going to bow to that idol. I am not going to think less of you than you deserve. I'm not going to let my heart be filled with all that hoarding. I'm not going to go back to hoarding anymore. You want to talk about hope? Hope is alive. And now, all this time later, we're reading about him. We're walking through and right in the middle of this, and I end with this, after all this stuff, all the unpacking, Lamentations chapter 3, it has the text to one of the songs that, uh, man, I, back, in the, back in the 90s, to some of you that's old, to some of you that's young. Back in the 90s, I, I was a worship pastor. This was one of my go-to songs, and I thought, it was so encouraging, I thought it was from the Psalms. This is right in the middle of Lamentations. Five chapters, it's in the middle of chapter three. Here's what it says. It says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Okay, reality. But then it says this. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. And then it has these lyrics that are the song. And if you know this song, Please sing with me to cover up my voice, but it just says, the steadfast, you, you probably need to stop singing because it's a different key, although you play beautifully. But it's this song, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faith. In the middle of lamentations and all my stuff, all my anxiety, all my worry, Everything's taken. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Man, that's powerful. That's the life that God's calling us to. That is the unshakable life, the unmovable life of a life that is so convinced God is real. God, you're with me. In my pain, you're with me. And I just got it all out before you. And after getting it all out, right? God's not like that person. You can keep playing now because it's beautiful. After all that stuff, the reality of, but God, you're faithful. I can say it all to you. I can lay it all out. And you love me and you're with me and you're shaping it. Amen? Can we all stand together? And can we just begin to give the Lord praise and thanks for his mercies, for his the ways that he's with us, that he knows it all, he sees it all. 
And when we speak at all, he still looks at you and says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my child. I love you. God, we thank you that in every situation, you are the perfect loving father that works all things for our good, which is that conformity to God, that reconciliation to God. And so, Lord, in these moments now, God, I pray that we would respond to this lesson about lament, that we're to give it all to you. Lord, to just like that hoarder, God, get all the junk out of our house. Remove it so that we can see the beauty for ashes, the strength for fear, the oil of joy in place of our mourning today as we lay it before you. So as the team leaves this morning, but let me encourage you to respond. Don't let your heart be filled like a hoarder. These are some prompt questions that we put out. You may have your own, but as we respond today, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. Come pray with them. Or if, you came, if, if someone's next to you, you're like, I want to pray with them, turn to them and say, Boy, let's, let's, let's pray together. But these are self-probing questions. Ask yourself, how am I handling difficulties in my life? Anybody here that's not experiencing a difficulty, raise your hand. That's nobody. We're all going through stuff. How are you handling it? Are you whining? Are you ignoring it? Receive the invitation, that biblical lament. And in that moment, just as you pray, God, speak to the Lord. This is where I need my hope to be restored. Maybe it's with a child that's walked away from God. Maybe it's in an aspect of your career or your family or your health, whatever it is. Where do I need hope to be restored? What are the things that you need to bring to God today? Is there an emotion that's like taking over, something that's triggering you? Like, God, I need you to take this and to shape this because it's going to destroy me if I let it. Let's receive his invitation to respond today. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, now we respond. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Yes, Father, we thank you for lifting us up. Lord, out of, the, out of the dirt, out of the muck, of what the Bible calls that miry clay, and you set our feet on that rock. Lord, I thank you for your word that breathes life to us, that shows us the way. And Lord, I pray for all those, Lord, that, uh, Lord, today maybe they're taking that first step in just what it means to just unpack with you, to lay it out. Father, I pray that they would have courage, Lord, to just to keep walking in that, to lay it out before you. And Lord, I pray that for us as the body of Christ, because you use us. Lord, when we, maybe we're like those spiritual hoarders. Lord, you do your work, but you also send us. You said that we are your representatives and that your love in us is evidenced by how we love each other. God, I pray this community would be a place that as people begin unpacking, God, that we can walk with people, that we can shine the light of Christ in that process, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and again, let me encourage you in that. You know, lamenting is not like, it's not like a one and done thing, you know. Um, I can clutter up spaces that I spent so much time cleaning. It's an ongoing process. You, do, you speak it to the Lord, but you also find people to walk with. There are things that God has just, you know, he's healed me of. But then there's stuff that, boy, my whole life. How many of you are like, you know, you're, you're surprised when you're still dealing with stuff that the Lord revealed to you when you're like 10, Right? <laughs>
But we go from strength to strength, stronger. And just like the Apostle Paul with a thorn in his side, he's like, not in his slide, he didn't have slides. We trust him and that you're working this out. You're strengthening us. Engage in that process, but connect with somebody in the body of Christ. This is a wonderful family. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, belonging. Find someone that you can trust. Build that relationship. And bring it to the Lord together. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here. We encourage, we, we encourage you to be here for our encounter. First Sunday of every month is, uh, is our encounter where we just gather in the chapel. We have a wonderful acoustic worship band back there. We're just there for an hour, and we're just singing, and we're giving praise to the Lord. Encourage you to be there. And if not, maybe I'll see you in a kayak somewhere this week. But here's our benediction. Here's our benediction as we leave today. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Love you all so much. God bless you all.